Good morning. So today we commemorated Shakyamuni Buddha's final passing, Pari Nirvana Day. And what an auspicious time for you to be visiting from Florida. Nice to see you, Bill. And for all of us to be together on this extraordinarily beautiful February 19th, 2006. Really, I was thinking about what is Parinirvana Day telling us? And it seems to me that it is really a reminder of why we practice how we practice, what we practice. Why we practice. Everyone comes to Zazen in a different way, from different background, with different intention, and different motivation. And of course, all of this is due to our different karma. But I think there are certain things that everyone who comes to this way has in common, more or less, And I think we can say that certain questions arise and that perhaps what is most in common is a sensitivity that we may relate to childhood stories like The Princess and the Pea, pebble in the shoe, certain questions that won't go away. And as we sit, we kind of get to the quintessential questions. Who am I? What is this? Why am I here? Why do I have this precious human life? Rare, extraordinary. We take it for granted. Oh, yeah. I was born so whenever, you know, how many years ago and I don't know when I'll die, but yeah, I'm a man or a woman, yeah. No, this precious, rare human life that allows us to ask these questions. 
And another question might be, why is there suffering? Why injustice? Why so much difficulty, greed, anger, and folly, the three poisons? And how can I help myself and others seeing from honest perspective that they seem to be separate entities? What is practice? What is this Buddha way? To see the root of our dis-ease. Some of you may remember Kundun, the film Kundun. I saw it a few times and there were certain passages that struck me so deeply that I wrote them out and I want to share this small passage that is from when the lamas were reciting verse, and it goes like this. May I be the doctor and the medicine, and may I be the nurse for all sick beings in the world until everyone is healed to see the root of our own dis-ease is to see the fact as Vimalakirti said I am ill because all beings are ill dis-ease Another way of speaking about Zen practice is to take our ease, our true and natural ease, to come to this, to do what it takes to come to this ease. When in Kundun, the Tulku, now known as His Holiness the Dalai Lama, was installed. His instructions were this. You are to love all living beings. Just love them. Care for them. Have compassion for them. This is such a simple thing, isn't it? To lead our lives this way. What could be more simple than this? So many books are written about Buddhism, about all religions. What did Jesus say? 
You are to love all living beings. So instructions given to the man, just a man, as he is being installed as the Dalai Lama. You are to love all living beings. Just love them. Care for them. Have compassion for them. And then in his debate lessons on the Four Noble Truths, Dalai Lama said, when one understands that he causes some of his own suffering needlessly, then he looks for the causes in his own life. This is what we're doing here. Recognizing that at least some of our own suffering is caused by ourselves needlessly. We can do something about this. Maybe we can't do anything about the tree that falls on the roof of the house, but a good part of our own suffering we cause needlessly. And so we come to do Zen practice because we are looking for the ways in which we cause suffering needlessly for ourselves and everyone in our lives. Let's face it, nobody gets free of our suffering that we cause needlessly. It's quite a ripple effect. So how can we say, just love them, unless we do this kind of introspection, right? You can't will yourself to love others. It sounds good. Love them as yourself. Love, yeah, right. Okay, I'll go out here and love everyone as myself. Doesn't work. There's a lot of pretension. A lot of pretension. And Zen practice is not about deception. Self-deception is the greatest impediment. So, he said, then he looks for the causes in his own life, her own life. When he or she looks, when he or she investigates then he or she is putting confidence in the ability to eliminate the sources and end suffering. This confidence in practice is a very important thing. We have to generate ourselves. No one can do this for us, all right? Confidence in our Buddha nature no matter how many times we recite, right? How does it go? We just recited it. 
So we can recite Hakuin Zenji's Song of Zazen day in and day out. Sentient beings are primarily all Buddhas. You yourself are primarily, you yourself are just nothing but Buddha. Okay, reciting it is good, but investigate. Investigate the source of your dis-ease. In other words, that which keeps you from realizing your true nature, realizing your Buddha nature, entering into nirvana. Then when you investigate, you are putting confidence in your own ability to eliminate the sources and end suffering. It's confidence. What does confidence mean? Belief or trust, right? Fidelity comes from the same root. To be faithful to true self, right? Not deceptive self, but true self. Deepening, as we continue in this practice, deepening our willingness, our resolve to do this kind of introspection. We have two groups that are presently working very hard in their practice. And one of them, quite a few, I think everyone is here today who's taking precepts in uh, summer of this year. And then we have the intensive training program participants for this winter-spring practice period of 2006. And each of the intensive training program students signs a a contract, commitment form, to commit themselves in five specific areas, community, which is Hoenji, Circus, and beyond, personal relationships, livelihood, home, and health, Zazen and daily reflection, this is this introspection of which I'm speaking, and Buddhist studies, including koan study, doksan, practice journal keeping, rituals, and readings. It's quite a um, demanding program, and I'm really grateful that a number of you are doing it because this kind of practice again has a very strong ripple effect. All Sangha members feel it. Everything we are doing is based on what the Buddha taught as the six paramitas whether we are just coming whenever we can and sitting with 
strong motivation, whether we are preparing to take precepts this summer, sewing raksu, memorizing sutras, coming for Sunday morning service without fail, whether we are entering into the demanding practice of intensive training, preparing for ordination, at whatever level our karma permits, it's all based on the six paramitas, the first of which, as you all know well, is dana, giving. Of course, this dana, or giving, is understood as giving support, material support through membership support monthly, responding to requests for help to continue what we are doing and strengthen what we are doing and provide a place for what we are doing for generations to come. But the most important understanding of dana, giving, is just what I've been talking about this morning. To look at the ways in which we create difficulty for ourselves and others. And to have a firm resolve to give whatever it takes to transform that self-centered, ignorant wretch that we mistakenly think we are. This is truly a mistake. We are no wretch. We are Buddha. But somehow we have some impression that such is not the case. Lost as we are in all kinds of small, limited vistas to transform, to open up with a giving heart. How can you have a giving heart unless you open up this very posture that we teach when people come to the Zendo is a posture of open-heartedness, right? Don't sit hunched over. We sit with an open heart, open, willing, ready to give whatever it takes. And the second of the paramitas or perfections, the word paramita means to reach the other shore, to realize the other shore is right here, right where you are. So the second, keeping the precepts, shila, 
And the third, kashanti is usually translated as patience or endurance. And as you know, if you've been sitting through session after session, it often seems as though sometimes it's a practice of just plain endurance. Just plain getting through. Gritting your teeth. And there's a wonderful expression, Japanese expression, to endure the unendurable to bear what cannot be borne. This runs so counter to our usual hankering for the easy way. Hankering after comfort and more comfort. Fear of anything that might disturb what we think is necessary for our complicated lives. Why is our life complicated? Because of such views. What in truth do we need? Or, as Master Rinzai said, what do you yourself lack? The fourth paramita is usually translated as effort or diligence, Sanskrit word virya. So while I'm talking about comfort, all of you are in such discomfort. Let's have some tea. But I really like Hasekawa's translation of that word as assiduity. Assiduity. To have assiduous practice. Please notice within your heart-mind, when you hear such things as endurance and assiduity, there is a kind of, mm, kind of this feeling, putting up your hand, pushing it away. No, no. I don't really want to do that. Again, we are not here to foster pretense. We are here to see the source of our suffering, the source of our self-deception, to look at that little hand that's raised as a kind of no, no, thank you anyway, bye. No pretense. Look at it. Some of you uh, were here the other day when we had a visit 
from Gozan, who is uh, training as a monk at Koonji. And he has been very deeply uh, karmically connected to Maura O'Halloran. Many of you have read her book, Pure Heart, Enlightened Mind. And he went to her, uh, the temple where they have a big kanon statue in her honor and a, a shrine to her. And he just wrote a quick email to me before leaving, which I'll share with you. I'd watched the Maura O'Halloran video several times. Many of you saw it here. It was so intense for me to see her. Her life has been an immeasurable source of inspiration for me. But I'm invariably left a little doubtful of my own practice. Inevitably comparing and thinking, I don't measure up. Never enough diligence, consistency, or abandonment of self. Often I, I say to myself, just being in the monastery isn't enough. You must apply yourself 24-7 instead of taking a pit stop in effort at the first sign of fruitfulness. This is what I mean by introspection. It's so difficult to endure the, the, the monastic life. Okay, he just completed his first Rohat session as a monk at Koonji. And many of us have done Rohat's session at Daibasatsu and Ensu in Japan. And we know, okay, Rohat's session is definitely uh, to endure the un unendurable. At Daibasatsu, we really have a pretty, what I would call, hard session for Rohatsu. But all the doors and windows are shut. This, this is not true in Japan. There is central heat. There are places in the monastery at DBZ where you can feel a little bit of heat. Maybe not in the Zendo, but even in the Zendo there's some heat. So, Gozan told me, you know, our session was really brutal. All the doors and windows open. It was the coldest winter in Japan since 1946. This is, we think, crazy. You know, why would anyone do that? Right? This is the source of our dis-ease, this kind of idea. Well, I have to protect myself against anything that will create any uh, disruption to my comfort. Well, okay, okay. He goes on, I'm afraid of wasting time getting caught up in, caught up in self-deception. 
Sometimes I can't see where I'm at or how it's going. I could be mired in some ego trip, unawares. And then he says something very interesting. I'm also very afraid that I'm just not smart enough to practice intelligently. I trust my intuition, but doubt often my intellectual ability. I vacillate and waffle so often. What I see in Mora's diary is the intuition and intellect working in tandem, in harmony. I feel mine is lopsided and thus don't trust myself sometimes and thus, at times, lack conviction. You know, it's really wonderful to receive such a a truly honest and open-hearted note, one that doesn't pretend in any way, but exhibits this checking, checking, this checking when uh, Nyogen Senzaki wrote uh, a letter to Soyan Shaku. He said, When I was in junior high school, I read the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin. Every night he engaged in introspection, writing down his deeds and marking the negative actions with a black dot. I imitated him and found that my notebook became full of black dots. I was depressed and disappointed in myself. Well, today we heard this verse from a sutra. And today, for commemoration of Shakyamuni Buddha's teachings, we chanted made offerings, and did beautiful, beautiful ceremony. But as it says in this verse, doing so is not how a perfect one is honored, respected, revered, venerated, or reverenced. What is true reverence? It is the bhikkhu or bhikkhuni, the man or woman lay follower who lives according to the Dharma with no self-deception, with true diligence, endurance, assiduity, And, of course, the final two paramitas, lest you think I have forgotten. Jhana, Zazen, and Prajna, waking up. Waking up into this realization. You are Buddha as you are just as you are.
This is how we honor, respect, revere, and venerate a perfect one with the highest praise of all. Therefore, Ananda, therefore, each one of you, train thus, live in the Dharma, enter upon the path, and walk on this way. And because we did this ceremony beginning our morning, we did not chant our usual Atadipa. But when Ananda said to the Buddha, I was afraid you might leave us. This was after he first fell ill. But I remembered that you had left no instructions for us to follow if you were gone. This is from uh, the great Eswaran introduction to the Dhammapada, which I hope everyone has a copy of. If anyone believes that the order would fail without his guidance, the Buddha replied dryly, that person surely should leave careful instructions. For my part, I know that the order will not fail without my guidance. Why should I leave instructions? Be a refuge unto yourselves, Ananda. Be a lamp unto yourselves. Rely on yourselves and on nothing else. Hold fast to the Dharma as your lamp. Hold fast to the Dharma as your refuge. And you shall surely reach nirvana, the highest good 